And I'm here with you tonight, excited to start the conversation. 216-474-0092 if you want to get involved in the conversation. You can also get involved in the conversation by hitting me up on Twitter. Handle, of course, at Spencito underscore at the end is where you can find me. It has been, as I'm sure you guys are all well aware at this point, you've heard every single show at this point just lament the sheer number of injuries that have transpired to this Browns team this year. And I was trying to do just a real quick sort of scan through. There's a couple websites out there that track basically every injury that every team is dealing with at the, at the moment. And I kind of just went through, tried to sort of do a quick count of how many teams have players out for the season that would even stack up or compare to what the Browns have this season. And it's truthfully, like, not even really close based on what I can gather. I mean, 10 players. There's a few teams that have a number of guys on the IR. I don't know every single team's injury report at this point to tell you, like, if it's season-ending IR or if it's just temporary and they'll be back. But the the Chargers have a lengthy injury report at this time. And obviously we know they got they announced Justin Herbert's done today. They, they have 20 people who are injured at the moment. The Texans are another one with a pretty lengthy list of players, and they have several on the IR. We know Tank Dell's done for the season. There's some others mixed in there. But, I mean, guys, this has been just an epidemic for the Browns. It's been awful. And I want to have conversations around that. I want to uh, dream big with you. But I want to start that conversation of, de- of dreaming big by – not ignoring the injuries because they are part of the, 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 the situation here and it, it, it does suck. But I want to inject some positive vibes into this time with you tonight and to start things off because, guys, every time there's been an injury this season that we thought was, was the one, oh, that's it, season's over, forget about the playoffs, let's fold up shop and – Get ready for next year. Hopefully Deshaun comes back healthy and Nick Chubb is is still the same guy. And let's just start planning for 2024. Every time we've started to have any of that thought process or just any any ounce of doubt crept in, this team has found a way to bring us back. They have found a way to win. They have found a way to get the job done. They have found a way to stay relevant and somehow, some way, against all odds, they are sitting here at eight and five. In the driver's seat to make the playoffs as the five seed, and out of uh, nowhere, just poof out of thin air like a magic trick, Joe Flacco arrives on your doorstep, and he's here to essentially save your season. It feels like it's 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 wild. While the injuries have made this one of the wildest seasons I've ever been a part of and covered, it's also made it one of the most remarkable to watch unfold because of just the sheer amount of adversity this team has faced. And the fact that here we sit talking about a team that is on the brink of the playoffs, if they can get just a couple more wins here down the stretch of the season, they're going to be in, guys. And that starts this weekend with the Bears. If you win against the Bears, you go to nine wins, your margin of error is massive for the final three. Massive. They needed this one this past weekend. They needed to beat the Jaguars. You get that one out of the way. You get a big AFC conference win, and all of a sudden – the ship feels like it's 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 been righted after the two losses on the road out on the West Coast. You just need 
two more to feel really good about it, potentially one more just based on how tiebreakers could play out in all these different scenarios and things towards the end of the season. But your schedule isn't some gauntlet. You got the Bears this weekend who Justin Fields, it, all due respect, or, or with respect, has been playing very, very good football. He's gotten a lot better in recent weeks. That defense has been one of the best in football. Uh, they're starting to shut teams down, and specifically teams' run games, but they're also keeping teams off the scoreboard. The Texans, if C.J. Shroud is out of the concussion protocol by then, and you never know, obviously he's a threat, and that team is a threat, but they're not some juggernaut team at this point. They're a rebuilding team. The Jets have a really, really good defense, but unless Zach Wilson is going to repeat what he did this past weekend, you feel pretty good about that one. And then you get the Bengals with Jake Browning, who's maybe of the games left on the schedule – that kind of feels like your toughest one because it's a division opponent, because they know you so well, and because Jake Browning has actually been, I don't know, a Joe, uh, Joe Bur- uh, poor man's Joe Burrow, I guess you could say. He's been good. He's been pretty good. That feels like it might be the toughest one, and by then, hopefully you have it closed out and you're already in the playoffs. So, yeah, like, does this does the daylight today suck? When you get announcements on two more injuries that are now going to derail the season a little bit here, no, that was kind of the one saving grace when we found out yesterday Dewan Jones was going to be hurt, was, oh, well, Jeb Wills will be back, and that'll sort of sure things up a little bit more on the offensive line, so that's good news. And then we find out today he's not going to end up coming off the IR. He's done. And so it's Jerron Christian and uh, James Hudson the rest of the way. Here we go. Saddle on up. But what's interesting is, even with the line banged up as it is, I feel like this offense, because of what I've watched the last couple weeks, if you don't have the best tackle play, I think that's okay when you have Joe Flacco under center. Because he is a savvy veteran. He has that internal clock, which we've seen on full display. He knows when to get rid of the football. He's not going to make the the big, big mistakes. Yes, I know he has an interception on each of his first two starts here. This weekend's interception didn't really feel like it was his fault. Seemed like there was supposed to be a receiver there, and the receiver stopped his route. And it didn't it ended up being an interception right to a defender. That doesn't happen because Joe Flacco's panicking. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw it here. Some, there was a miscommunication somewhere along the way. So... Like, I don't see him making, and the other interception in the Rams game was essentially a punt if you tackle the, if you tackle John Johnson the third on the Rams side of the field, but you let him return it, and that's what obviously flips the game in the Rams' favor. So I think you can survive this. Now you're waiting for a couple other injury updates tomorrow. Grant Delpit, maybe Juan Thornhill. We'll see what Kevin Stefanski has to say. But guys, Joe Flacco, out of nowhere, has given me a newfound confidence in this offense. They're doing things we haven't seen them do really all year. And if you can keep just a couple of these core guys that are going to be important to any sort of run you're going to make here down the stretch of the season and into the playoffs healthy, which is seems like this year a taller task than maybe Pat and maybe other years, then it'll be okay. And frankly, guys, I'm looking around the AFC. Who's to say... This team can't go on a run. Who's to say they can't? I mean, seriously, dream as big as you want to, Cleveland. The injuries are the injuries. They suck. As much as Kevin Stefanski is a robot, he gives us the same stale answers on every single thing, and he's got all the coach-speaky uh, responses just ready on, on a whim. 
he's right when he says you can never predict injuries in this league, which is a line he gives almost every single week. And when he talks about just how resilient his team's been and that whole next man up mentality, I mean, they're basically, they're living next man up mentality this year. And to this point, it's gone to eight and five. If they can get to nine and seven, if they can get to 10 and six, it likely means they're in the playoffs. And you know what? From there, we just see what happens. You're playing with house money at that point because with all the injuries they've had, they probably shouldn't even be in the situation that they're in. But I'm looking around the AFC with some side eyes. There's not a team in the AFC that I am, like, overly afraid of. So much so that, guys, later on tonight, I'm thinking around 940 we will do this. I'm going to give you, as I sort of work through the final couple, I'm, I'm, I'm sorting through a few things in my head of where I think teams should be ranked But I'm going to give you at 940 my tried and true etched in stone for going into week 15 AFC power rankings. We're going to do it. We're going to go from 16 on up. I'll give you the power rankings for the AFC, and it'll add some context to this conversation about how I just I look around the AFC and there's not a team that I'm like overly afraid of. The Chiefs, they have wide receiver issues. That offense is not the same as it's been in recent years. Baltimore, Browns already beat them in their in their building, mind you. And it's not like the Ravens, while they might be the number one seed, it's not like they're the number one seed as like a runaway here. They almost lost to the Rams this weekend, coming off of a bye week, making all kinds of mistakes. They have a propensity to lose games that they're leading going into the fourth quarter, and they somehow find a way to lose them. Am I afraid of the Dolphins? I might have felt differently about the Dolphins, and that offense, especially if you have to go on the road to their place where it seems like they're so much better, if they won that game last night, but they lose that game last night. how they let it happen? 14-point deficit blown in less than three minutes. Never been done before. I know it came technically we've seen something similar, 13 points last year too. Ironically, Joe Flacco with the New York Jets as he pulled a rabbit out of a hat on that one in week two, uh, but not quite 14 points. Like, guys, I have no – like, I, I, I'm at a point right now. Do I think the Browns are going to be the one seed? Do I think the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. I, I think once you get to the tournament, that's where those things really become issues for you because you start to realize, like, the talent level is different and it's it, some of the things that teams have sort of saved scheme-wise just are going to come out and get you. Teams are really putting out putting in every single thing they can – as they study your tape, that they know you're not going to do well, and they're they're using it against you. Just from a coaching standpoint, the playoffs are different, yes. So do I think the Browns are going to make a Super Bowl run? Not necessarily, but who's to say they can't? And that's my overarching point here. This thing is wide open. I know it's cliche in sports to say just get in, But I do think, first of all, I think in baseball that has been mostly true in recent years. I mean, think about this past year, right? Dodgers are a juggernaut team, and they get bounced in the wild card round. The Braves are a juggernaut team. They get bounced in the wild card round. Like, there's there's so many instances where it really is just a testament of just get in and see what happens. I think that that happened 
with, uh, I think that happens in baseball a lot. I think it happens in hockey a lot. Basketball is the one where it happens probably the least. There's the least amount of, I think, parity in terms of playoff results. The good teams usually rise to the top in that league. I think football is very similar. The teams with the best quarterbacks usually kind of emerge out of the, the, the pile. But this year, guys, I'm looking around the AFC. Suspect. Real suspect. There's not one juggernaut team that I'm going insane that I'm overly afraid of. And I think that setting up for the Browns with Joe Flacco under center, if he can stay healthy and you can avoid any more major seriously serious injuries down the stretch here, which is, uh, again, a lot easier said than done, who's to say the Browns can't make a postseason run? 216-474-0092. Should our expectations be higher than maybe what we're feeling, especially after a day like today, where we get more bad news on the injury front from the Browns. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you, off and running, overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan. Now that Joe Flacco has seemed to stabilize the offense, and I'm gonna be, I want to be clear here, too, because Kevin Stefanski, he's, this is not a slander Kevin Stefanski moment for me. This is not a slander Kevin Stefanski show tonight for me. I love, I, I, I like Kevin Stefanski. He has done a brilliant job this season. I think offensively he has been a schematic genius this year and finding ways to win and create opportunities for certain players going, as he said, four different quarterbacks now starting. And I think he's caught a lot of good things at the right time. Is he perfect? No, but no coach is. No play caller is. So there's moments where you're like, what are you doing? And he's going to have to wear those. But like the fourth and three this past weekend, what an amazing play call. Some of the, sh- the the wildcat type stuff he's done near the goal line where he's got tight ends kind of leaking out and making catching easy passes. Like he, he's caught a lot of the right things at the right time. And I, I measure you a lot based on that. Like in the in certain moments, are you are in more of those moments when it's when you need a play, are you hitting the knot? And I think he's done that a lot this year. It's part of the reason why the Browns are eight and five. He's also trusted his kicker. He's also had a defense he can rely on. So there's other factors here. But I think Kevin Stefanski's done a brilliant job. Now I'll get off the soapbox for a second and say that I don't think he's done a perfect job. And I think part of that is this team that was a very good running team for a long stretch of the season, that run game has been not really as existent in, in recent weeks. And I don't know if at, at times it seems like he goes away from the run for long stretches that I don't know if that's going to win you games in January, like you got to be able to run the football more effectively. And I thought they actually ran it decently well on Sunday, and then they just stopped doing it. I don't know if Joe Flacco throwing the ball 40-plus times is going to win you playoff games necessarily. So there might be some tweaking that needs to be done by the time you get to the playoffs. But I think right now he's just in, as he's kind of attested to, win at all cost mode. And if that means Joe Flacco throws it 40-something times to get there, then so be it. Get yourself in the tournament, and then we can reassess how they should maybe do things differently on offense. But it's undeniable that this offense has a different rhythm to it than we've seen all season, no matter who's been under center. That goes for even Deshaun Watson, which is a can of worms that I I know is kind of a touchy thing to get into right now. But luckily we don't have to have that conversation tonight about him and whether or not he's a fit for this offense or whatever else. But, yeah, like th- there's room for improvement, but there's it- it's undeniable how good this offense has been. And because Joe Flacco has seemed to stabilize it, I'm going to be honest, guys. You take this defense to any of these other teams in the AFC, 
I'm not really afraid of any, of any of them, if I'm being honest. There's not a team in the AFC that I'm like kingpin, shaking in my boots, worried about. The Chiefs have a wide receiver problem. Ravens are very beatable, and sometimes they beat themselves. Dolphins, just when you think their offense is unstoppable, they do stuff like they did last night and throw a game away. Like, I'm looking up in the standings, and I'm not seeing – you just beat the Jaguars. I'm not seeing any teams that I'm deathly afraid of. All those teams, for me, exist only in the NFC. So why can't this be a team that, despite all the injuries and everything – Makes the playoffs, yes, but also makes a deep and probably unexpected for most people run in the postseason. 216-474-0092. We go to the phones. Up first tonight, we got Mike and Menor. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on tonight? Not much, um, man. I, I wanted to make a point that I think simplifies all this. You're talking about the stabilization, the offense, and maybe the passing game starting to flourish. I think it's all about Joe Flacco being – a great play-action passer. Yeah. And that's what drives Stefanski's offense and his philosophy. He seems to be trying to adjust the offense to shotgun sets for the other quarterbacks because that's what they played in college. Flacco's been doing play-action for 30 years. So yeah, I think that really drives it. And what that tells me is they need to retain Flacco. And him and Van Pelt really work with Watson get comfortable under center. Mm. He's got to get comfortable turning his back on the line. See, Mike, I said I didn't want to open the can of worms, and you're opening the can of worms now. Which is, (laughs) Listen, it's okay. It's okay because you're right. Like, I think there is a larger discussion to be had here. I don't want to say this and come off as slandering Deshaun or what this, or the decision that the team made to go get a franchise quarterback because I've I've said and I, I maintain I can't blame... Yes, there's the context of what Deshaun Watson did off the field and how ugly all that was and the bad PR that came with it. I'm not saying that that was worth it, but what I am saying was worth it was if you're in this league and you're trying to win and you know you need a franchise quarterback, I don't fault them for doing whatever it took to get a guy here that they thought was a franchise quarterback. But I do think the question that exists now is you see Joe Flacco running this offense to such effectiveness and throwing for 300 yards at the age of 38 when people think he's washed up like – I think you're. I think you're onto something here, Mike. Like, Andy's big is, armed and tall. Yeah. So yeah. unlike Baker, who could run play action, he could stay in the pocket if he needs to. I'm not against Watson. I want Watson. He's not going anywhere. No, but no, he's not. Kind of, but but this I, is but, sort of counterintuitive my, of what we always say about maybe you know we need to adjust our scheme to our our skill sets. Maybe this is one of those reverses where Watson needs to get in and do some work and get competent at play action, and that's all there is to it. You know? Yeah, and that's what that's exactly what I'm trying to get to with you in this conversation right now is that like is Watson a fit or or is Kevin Stefanski's scheme more like are they basically I'm trying to say are they a good fit? I'm I'm having trouble spitting it out because I don't want to say it out loud. Well, we're this close to it's the genesis of who was really in the room when they wanted to shoot, make this decision. Yeah, and, and I'm not against it because I think Deshaun's smart. I think he's talented. He's super athletic. If you could get play action into his skill set, I mean, the the sky's the limit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mike, this was a really good conversation, man. I appreciate you calling in, and you can call in anytime. I appreciate you, my man. All right, have a great night. Yeah, you too. Mike, hit the nail on the head for me in, in regards to the Deshaun Watson aspect of this conversation. Are they a fit? Is Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, is, is Kevin Stefanski's scheme a fit for Deshaun Watson? Because... 
you go, you can go back and watch the tape. I watch basically, I rewatch every game each week. And the weeks where Deshaun's out there, you can tell there's this blending going on of what Kevin Stefanski wants to do and what's better suited for Deshaun Watson. I don't know who was in the room. Everything the team tells us is that it was a group effort. Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, they were all on the same page. They all wanted Deshaun to come here. Jimmy Haslam maybe was the, the trumpeteer marching the band in there to go make the pitch to him and bring him in. And maybe he sparked the whole thing. But it was it was supposedly consensus across the board. I don't know. Paul De Podesta probably had a role in it as well. Like, if everybody was kumbaya on it, then you'd think that he, that Kevin Stefanski's scheme would have been part of the conversation. Well, will he fit in this scheme? All the quarterbacks who have, who have played here besides Deshaun, and I'm not even counting this year because we don't really know what Dorian Thompson Robinson is fully as a quarterback yet. And PJ Walker is what PJ Walker was. But even when he played those couple games, like Kevin Stefanski even got the most out of him. But go back and look the last four years at the quarterbacks and who's played the best in this system and why they played the best in this system. It was because Stefanski was doing a lot of what he's doing with Joe Flacco right now. There's play action game. There's putting the quarterback in situations that are advantageous. Then with Baker, it was a lot of boots, a lot of boot plays with uh, Jacoby Brissett. It was a lot of packets, uh, pocket stuff because, well, Hey, you're not expecting Jacoby Brissett, even though people thought he was a mobile quarterback, he wasn't really that mobile. So it was a lot of out-of-the-pocket type stuff. And Deshaun Watson is a totally different totally different beast. He is a dual-threat guy. You do have to scheme other things up for him than just stand in the pocket and throw and, and run play action and all these different things. So I don't really want to say it out loud because I don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation, especially at this point in the season, where I'm riding high tonight feeling good, even in a day where there's all, these, there's all this bad injury news dark clouds hanging over us in downtown Cleveland. I don't really want to have that conversation because I'm feeling pretty good about the Browns chances of making a run potentially given the outlook of the AFC. But it is a conversation that at some point we will have to broach and we will have to have because guys like Deshaun Watts is not going anywhere. As Mike said on the call there, you have too much money tied up in him. If you were to move on from him, you got to still pay him. They're not moving on from Deshaun Watson. Like as much as the Flacco story has been great so far, and if if it leads to a postseason run, like he's going to be an icon here in Cleveland. It'll be a fantastic story, one of the better ones from the the twenty twenty three campaign as a whole. But there's not really a future for Joe Flacco here under center. And even if there was, it would be short lived because he's thirty. He's going to be thirty nine years old in like three weeks here, guys. So it's Deshaun Watson's team. It's Deshaun Watson's offense. How do he and Kevin Stefanski get this thing running properly like what we're seeing with Flacco right now moving forward? That's the awkward conversation we're going to have to have. But it doesn't necessarily have to be all flushed out over the airwaves tonight. So I will center us back to the conversation I started the show with, which is should our expectations for where this team can go be maybe higher than what we had them initially simply because – you look around the AFC, and all I see is a bunch of teams that are that uh, that they would be flirting with that that could be flirting with 500, if not for a few games and performances that that worked in their favor. Like there's not some juggernaut team in the AFC, in my opinion, 
that is just worlds better, like we've had in previous years where you felt like you get a matchup with the Bills, good luck. You get a matchup with the, the Bengals, good luck. You get a matchup with the Chiefs, good luck. That's not the case this year. 216-474-0092. That guy in Cleveland. We'll get to you when we come back. More of your calls. Some of your tweets as well. As we go check out the reaction on there. It's Spencer German. I'm with you till midnight. Right here on 92 Through the Fan. It has been the time of my life to be joined by you guys. You die hard, passionate, gritty, blue-collar Cleveland Browns fans on Sundays when I get a chance to go out there. Uh, it's a blast. So hopefully you'll be there with us on Sunday or at least tune in to the show. And uh, we always very much appreciate it. We'll get you ready for Browns and Bears, another big one for Cleveland this weekend. Uh, I want to get to the callers here. We're going to get to some tweets as well. Uh, this one coming in from Red at Work, which X Reactions, of course, are brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. He says, the Browns just won one game after losing two in a row and looking pretty bad while doing it. Are we overreacting to this victory over the Jags? Total Debbie Downer question, I know, but that feeling is real. Listen, you're not wrong looking at how this thing's played out and realizing, like, yeah, two weeks, uh, a week ago we were talking about, well, if they lose the Jaguars, like, this could be a doomsday scenario. I, I, I 100% understand where... The, the, the script is flipped uh, sort of aggressively and, and quickly here to where I'm now trying to boost up the idea that the Browns can make a, a playoff run. I think, A, that is part of the beauty of the NFL. It is very much a week-to-week league, and we very much talk about it that way. We reserve the right to change our minds each and every single week based on what we see out in the field. And I think the Browns got back to being stout on defense this week. I understand they've been better at home all season, so that's probably part of it. Um, I also thought the offense is th- now one thing that's undeniable is that even in that Rams game, the offense looked better than it has really all season with Flacco. And so if that continues, you feel pretty good about the idea that they could maybe, if they can just keep scratching and clawing like they've been doing, maybe they can pull something off here and, and make a deeper run than people ever think or say or predict that they'll be able to do. So, yeah, it probably is an overreaction. I think that's the beauty of of this sport that we, we love and we talk about, though. I also think you're getting Denzel Ward back this week. That should help both. Well, maybe. Uh, knock on wood. I shouldn't confirm or, or declare anything like that because we thought we were getting him back last week, and then he still didn't play. Um, but he could come back at any moment, so that's kind of a boost for the defense. So, I don't know. Today was a bad day. A lot of negative injury news that you didn't really want on your radar after a year filled with negative injury news. But some some tides could be turning, and with Joe Flacco, if this offense can keep doing what it's doing, I don't see why they don't have a shot in any game. With Joe Flacco under center, as long as they stay relatively healthy with what they still have left the rest of the way, and the defense, they don't even have to be as good as they were early in the season. They can be what they were this weekend. They can be still very, very good and not even be, like, historically great. And they can still be a a team that makes some noise in the playoffs. I believe that wholeheartedly. We're going to go to the phones here. But I do want to also mention top of the hour here coming up. I just – something doesn't feel right about watching a legend go out sad. I'll explain. Eight o'clock. But first, back to the phones we go. And uh, up next, if I could get the mouse to work here, 
that guy in Cleveland. What's up, that guy? Hey, Spencer. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Uh, I see you uh, You uh, put out uh, JP just so he can take over his job again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't go down like that. I think JP's out of town this week. So, um, like, like the Browns, who have a next man up mentality, that's basically how I live my my working life. I'm the next I'm the next man up. When 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 I get the call from Keith or I get the call from Andy and they're like, "Hey, we need somebody to fill in today." I'm I'm there to answer the bell most of the time. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um so I wrote wrote a little note just so I don't stumble with my words. So I'm going to read out this note so and then like that'll pretty much be it. All right? Yeah. All right. So uh Flacco He's going to be going from being a Browns rival to being a Browns hero. I I don't care what the Ravens haters will say. He's he's saving this team. Through 11 or so weeks, we were winning games with our defense. Well, for the most part. Now, not only can we make big plays with our defense, but also on offense. 311 yards passing yards. That's the most in a game we've thrown with a QB this season. We've been asking for this for a while now. It's finally happening. And we'll make the playoffs and hopefully more if we keep up this high level of offensive plays. Who's that guy? I'm that guy. <laughs> I like the sign off there, that guy. That was good. That was good. The dismount was was, was effective. Um, listen, I, I I think part of what you're alluding to, by the way, this this great story of former Browns rival turned Browns legend potentially, depending on what happens from here. That is honestly what I what I allude to when I say like this is one of the more intriguing stories that is going on in the NFL right now, and it, it has yet to be sort of fully written here. Like if they if they truly do what I'm implying, which is get in the playoffs, make a run, Flacco will always go down no matter what as a legend to a lot of people. Like people look back and say, remember 2023 when Joe Flacco came in in Week 11 and took us to the playoffs and gave us some great memories that we hadn't seen really in the, in the previous 20 years. Like it's kind of remarkable that it might work out that way, but it's It's also the, the other thing that helps that guy Flacco is super easy to like and root for. He's mm-hmm. just such a humble dude. And every time he speaks, it's like, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful that my teammates are here for me. Like, like the speech he gave after the win on Sunday was, was, was remarkable. He's got away with words as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but anyways, that's all I got for you for tonight. Awesome. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll go to Jay in North Royalton. First time caller here, Jay. What's going on, Jay? Hey, I got to turn my, uh, TV down or my, uh, radio down. I got you on speakerphone. What's Perfect. up? Not much, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Right. You got me? Yeah, got you. Awesome. First time caller, man. I, I listen to you guys all the time. This is awesome. Uh, Ken Carmen in the mornings on the way to work. I'm a plumber, contractor, you know, doing laborers work all day, every day for the city of Cleveland, man. CLE is hometown. Watch LeBron win us a championship. Been a fan for a long time of the, this radio show, right? Um, I just had a quick question sure. for, for, for you guys on the radio. This it hasn't really come up. What happens if Flacco supposedly, you know, hypothetically, Flacco takes us to the Super Bowl? Say he wins the Super Bowl. I mean, this is a complete hypothetical. Yeah. Another hypothetical. We win four in a row. I'm, I'm thinking Ravens, uh, 49ers, Miami might struggle. 
we might tie them, and I think they get the tiebreaker, whatever. Yeah. For, for the based on what it is right now, th- there's been a lot of math done and the calculations that the Browns won out um, right. and the Ravens were to lose two games, they would have right. the tiebreaker over the Ravens, yes. Yeah, so the chances, uh, I mean, the chances of being fifth, maybe even the seventh seed, uh, are good right now with our our divisional record and and the AFC records and whatnot. Chances are pretty good at looking at us getting in the in the playoffs. You know whether we're the fifth seed, sixth seed, seventh seed, whatever the case. Uh, I don't think they're. I don't think we're going to catch the Ravens. I mean, but there's always a chance they could. Everybody's got a bad couple of games here and there. We've been through it. Um. Just hypothetically, this was my question. What if Flacco actually took us to the Super Bowl? Okay, complete hypothetical. And say, even if he took us, we lost, or he took us, we won. What do you do with Deshaun next year? $230, $40 million guy? Do we wildcat him? Do we sign Flacco? Do, Do we start playing Deshaun every couple of downs? Like, I think my dad was telling me Denver did this. With uh, in, in I think eighty five or something, and uh, they they lost uh, at, right after they beat the Browns, um, you know, with the fumble and all that stuff to drive. Um, what happens next year with Deshaun if yeah. Flacco takes us? Because the guy's flowing. Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, he's yeah. flowing. He's For sure. doing what we need, and honestly, his passes. From day one, that first drive, I know I, the same thing happened last year with Brissett. The first drive, every 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 game last yeah. year with Brissett, the last like a stud for sure. The but, last two weeks have certainly been very Jacoby Brissett esque. Like the offense yeah. would always score on the opening drive the last couple uh, yeah. last year, and they they did it the last couple weeks here. Um, An- but, another thing with sure, uh, real Flacco, quick, the last two weeks. He has struggled. There's been, what, four or five drives last game, three and out, three and out. There's been struggles, um, bad passes, misplays. But that's he's growing with the team. I just wanted your opinion. Yeah. What happens to Deshaun next All right. year? Yeah, you yeah, know. I appreciate the call, Jay. I'm going to let you go on that. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate you being a first-time caller with us. Um, the answer is is simple, nothing. This is Deshaun's job next season, as I kind of alluded to last segment. Like, I I understand where you're going with this. I understand that pie-in-the-sky scenario of Joe Flacco goes and wins the Super Bowl. How the hell do you not bring him back next year? And they could bring him back next year. He could be the backup quarterback. I mean, he, he was a backup in New York. He uh he he knows what that role is like, and if he enjoys his time here, and if he did something like that, I'm sure he would be inclined to try to return to Cleveland if he still wants to continue playing, which it seems like he does, just based on everything he said this year. I don't think it just drastically changes going into the next year either if he thinks he can still play. Um, So, yeah, there's a chance Joe Flacco's also back with Deshaun, but, guys, there's no scenario that – eliminates the like what the Browns are dealing with when it comes to Deshaun Watson from a contract standpoint. Like they brought him here to be the starter. He's being paid handsomely with a contract that is fully guaranteed. There's no out for it. Like they they owe him all that money, whether he's playing for them for the Browns or not. And so it it reverts back to him being the starter. I understand what you're saying. It's a fine question. It's a fair question that I'm sure other people are sort of wondering as well. 
But guys, this is Deshaun's team at the end of the day. Like we know what what's what awaits on the other side when you get through whatever the rest of the season looks like. This will not be a Joe Flacco led team next year, which is why I said the importance of Watson and Stefanski figuring out what this relationship looks like together is going to be so so important because we're seeing an offense that looks like it can do some things the way it's being run right now. And there was only spurts of that when Deshaun Watson was out there. And I know people are going to say rush, but guys, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, another conversation we don't have to have tonight, but I'm here to tell you right now. When we go into next year, if I take any calls on people who are going to who, who throw out like the, the rust thing with Deshaun Watson, no. It's not an excuse anymore. Joe Flacco was sitting on his couch for 11 weeks, and he showed up and was running the offense more fluidly than Deshaun Watson did for the majority of his starts this year. I'm not doing the Russ game again. I'm not doing it. 216-474-992. We'll take a couple more calls on this. Also, I hate to see a legend go out so sad. We'll get to Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report. He joins us at 820 as we pivot to some NBA and Cavaliers talk. But your calls when we get back, keep it locked. Spencer German with you here in the fan. 